Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start out by saying thank you to our sponsors, Big Farig Coolers. They offer coolers, cattle coolers that hold medication and vaccinations, tumblers, growlers, and dry boxes. The coolest thing about Big Frig is you can customize it, customize it all with whatever you want. Uh, check them out at bigfrig.com, and uh, if you have any questions, email at info at bigfrig. Our next one is Glory Visuals. They specialize in wedding and commercial films, so they do videography, and it's incredible. Y'all should go check them out on social media. You also can check them out on glorivisuals.com. Next up, other guys outfitters. They specialize in dry field and Canada goose hunts. Uh, they run from November through February, and they've done an awesome video of Dive Bomb Industry, so you check it out. If you want to book a hunt, uh, call Crager at 308-637-7777, or check the other guys' outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Next up is Faithful Images. Ooh. This is our personal photography business. Um, you can check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Faithful Images Nebraska, or our website, our website, faithfulimages.org. Next up, uh, Redbeard's Custom Calls. He runs the Timber Rattler or the Cut Down Duck Call and Crossing Guard Goose Call. Awesome calls, awesome quality. This guy's no, he knows what he's doing. So give uh, Andrew a call at 712-898-6989 and uh, let him know we sent you because he'll give you 10% off. Yeah, buddy. All right, next one is Chaku Peru, owned by Angelo. He specializes in big game and waterfowl hunts in the U.S., Mexico, South America, Europe, and Australia. So you can check him out at chakupru.com or contact him at 469-999-4043. Last one up and a new sponsor to the podcast, Whitetail Taxidermy in Louisville, Nebraska. Owned by Jody Schultz. Uh, you might know him as Pappy from our YouTube. Awesome guy, and he's an award-winning taxidermist. So give him a call at... 402-630-0031. With that being said, those are our BRH podcast sponsors. We appreciate each and every one of them, and let's jump into the episode. Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Red Hunters podcast. Today we've got Jeremy with us again. Go ahead and shout your stuff out there, Jeremy. Uh, just like last time, still a Hunt Fish 365. Um, we do Instagram and we do YouTube. We have been away for a little while, but uh, I think in June 1st we're going to come back to all that. So, oh, boy. Yeah, be on the lookout for that. Got got a few ideas, a few changes coming. So a few changes coming. Yeah, just... Just doing things a little differently, nothing major, but oh, you see, you guys better hear that. Better <laughs> check out Instagram. You don't want to miss that. But the other thing you don't want to miss is him coming back and shooting a cow elk in Wyoming. Yeah, hopefully, tough, tough <laughs> tag that I apparently got that I did not know was going to be tough. But hey, it's just part of the adventure. Yeah, that, right. That poor gaming parks lady. She like, she uh was nicely saying that I was. Like, I was dumb for pulling that tag, but all I said to her was, hey, I'm up for the adventure. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it's Wyoming, so it's going to be gorgeous, which is awesome, but... We've driven through the unit. Yeah. It's at the... It's the lowlands of Yellowstone. I mean, it's it's a nice unit. Yeah. It's really pretty, but apparently a tough tag, and I did not know that, so... Hey, that's all right. Yeah, we've, uh... Been busy uh, on our end. We've uh, gotten some stuff planted. I think we got our dove field planted, uh, Jared, Dane, and I. And then uh, we actually got – we've got our eggs for our pheasants. So I've kind of talked about it in the past, but we're going to be releasing pheasants into a field, trying All to right. get a population started. And we've got CRP set up. We planted millet for them to – you know, for food. And then we've got a pond down at the bottom. So – Got about a hundred acres. The only thing I'm worried about is coyotes. Hey, if you want some help shooting some coyotes, yeah, I'll come help you. I keep telling them we need to go here soon, but 
Oh, well, everybody's busy, so. Spring and summer is such a hard time to kill coyotes, too. Yeah. I mean, they're hard to see, in my opinion. It's the seeing, and they just, they don't react to anything. Your best months are January through the beginning of March. Yeah. Which sucks, because you just missed it, but. Oh, wow. I've, I've just been lazy and doing, like, just work gets so busy in this time frame. Like we talked about the flexibility of work right now is my crazy time. Cause I deal with contractors, mm-hmm. but it's nice cause it lightens up a little bit during the winter time. So it just gotta, gotta, you know, a little, whole, given, little give and take It's a whole different game when you really start to manage a piece of property. Yeah. But uh, I think our other, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but uh, the same place that we're, we snow goose hunted is a, uh, we're going to be, or I bought into that club to be uh, also duck hunt. So I plan on doing, I've got that other private spot. i am get the public spots, and then I plan on hunting that one too. So there you go. Just another available spot. Hey, in this state, the more spots you have. <laughs> For real. <laughs> well, the, you know, like last year we 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 talked about it. Well, you, you had a lot better luck than I did. I struggled through like the later early season i would say like especially late october like early november and so out there they did really well because nowhere else had water they can pump water in and then they've got a drain too so they can figure out how much water they want in that that area so it's it's nice so i think they're going to be planting some duck food in there i'm not sure what all they're planting but just another spot. There you go. So another another spot to make some some eggs and bacon. So I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> so tying into early season duck hunting, uh, today's episode we're going to be talking about the three duck limit. So there's now a <clears throat> excuse me a two tier system here in Nebraska, and I guess they're approving it for South Dakota as well. Yeah. Uh, so the two tiers they got the the regular tier, so they've got. You know, you got all the species set. So, like, here in Nebraska, we've got a six-duck limit. We think we got five mallards with two hens. Um, And then you can get the bonus duck. Basically, everything's set in stone. And then now they're coming up with a new opportunity for their... Their mission is to get new hunters in. Uh, The second opportunity is to, at beginning of the season, you have to buy in to the second tier on your license that you can shoot three of any duck and from my understanding three of any duck and either uh sexes yeah here i'm looking at it right now second category or tier two three duck limit with no species or sex restrictions yep so basically what they're saying is you can shoot three hen pintails if you would want now the one part that you did say i didn't know you had to buy into that idea at the beginning of the season yeah, so you're stuck in it as soon as you buy in. You select it when you're buying your license for the season, and you're already in. My, I guess my question is, and I'm curious, is that I already bought my, yeah, I bought my license for this year because as soon as oh, January hit, yeah. I bought my license for goose season Damn, and snow goose season. So I have all that stuff too. I'm, I'm honestly kind of curious how that works. But if anybody knows out there, shoot us a message because I'm kind of curious. I'm assuming that... I would, I would think you could change it, but I, you never know, because I, I feel like they would have to have it set in the system before, set, you know, season started, because that would cause a lot of confusion. Personally, I think uh, it's really this whole idea is for the rain basin, yeah, um, because it's like the season starts so much earlier, beginning of October versus uh, out west. Yeah, you're looking earliest last weekend in october yeah um and like the birds are so much more confusing on this side of the state in the beginning of october versus the other side of the state end of october i mean so i wonder if they're really just focusing on those people and our season ends right before the end of the year as it is so a lot of those people don't buy yeah new I think i think the person that i would think of the most in this situation that probably would be helpful too is my buddy greg greg's the guy i took hunting for the first time last year he plans on hunting with me again i think that it would help him in this scenario i mean i don't i have a hard time to be on we'll get there at the end but i have a hard time believing that's going to bring in new hunters but i think 
the new hunters that are interested, I think it gives them a little bit more of a flexibility. Uh, for Greg, I mean, we were hunting with them last year and that day that we were sitting there and I thought they were pintails or actually mallards. You were, mm-hmm. you were like, oh, no, they're mallards. And I was like, okay, I would just being, cause there's certain, there's certain marshes that are, have a lot of pintails. Mm-hmm. So when you get a new hunter with you, you get kind of nervous, like yeah. trying to keep them sa- safe and keep them from, you know, doing something wrong. But a guy like him, I think this would probably be good for him because he, like you kind of said, a lot of, a lot of times ducks are pretty brown that, mm-hmm. that era or, um, you think a wood duck, they're hard to tell from a male, from a female in that time period. Um, pintails, they are kind of hard. I mean, they don't really have any sprigs. They don't have a lot of color yet, depending on, well, it on, depends on them. But on top of that, in early season, how many times have you had a flock of 10 or 12 birds come in, but it's like six different species? Yeah. I mean, I've had that plenty of times I've shot. I've shot spoonies out of a group of mallards before. Like hey, my to, favorite. Yeah, like <laughs> there was one time we were hunting in the rain basin, and we had like twenty. This was like first weekend in November. We had like twenty five mallards land on just sheet ice. Yeah, about five minutes before shooting light, I whipped all three times on the mallards. And this hen spoonie is just floating. I threw a fourth shell in, and that's the one that I hit. Oh, dude, that was Let a frustrating day. <laughs> Let her rip. Yeah. Man, how many how many hunts have been saved by spoonies? Oh, like, countless. for real. I probably have a dozen <laughs> videos on my channel alone uh, where a spoonie has saved the entire hunt. <laughs> or that's the other thing, too, is, like, I've been on okay hunts, but, like, a spoonie solid flock of spoonies mm-hmm. turned it from an okay hunt to like a really good yeah. hunt because you know they're just gonna dump in and you're gonna get like four or five you got decent shooters mm-hmm. but uh kind of back on the two-tier system just uh let's start out with the pros and cons what's your uh opinion on pros for this well right now uh, my biggest pro for the whole situation i was talking to my dad about this as we were talking about the podcast um is the the recently new hunters. I mean, for instance, in my group, though some of these guys have been hunting with me for three or four years now, they still can't identify birds. And they, like, will be, even during teal season, like, birds will be dumping in, and I'll have to be like, okay, shoot them, because they're not good at identifying them. And I think with all these new hunters, because even though it doesn't seem like hunting, number the number of hunters has gone up, Lately, I do believe we have a lot of new hunters, but we're losing some hunters. I think that's what's happening because of YouTube. People are getting a little interested in it, but they don't know how to identify birds. I think that's the big thing for me is it gives these new hunters that may be doing it on their own but can't identify them yet. Yeah. Um, It gives them an opportunity to go out there and have fun and not be worried about shooting too many pintails in particular in yeah. October uh, in no, the rain, I, ba- rain basin. I think that it can be helpful in a, for a new hunter. I think it takes a lot of pressure off somebody like Greg that's going out there. And it, it it's one thing, so say for Greg, if he was going to go out and he was going to hunt with me, it's not that big a deal because I'm going to call all birds and, mm-hmm. you know, tell them. But if he ever took the opportunity to go out by himself and said, okay, I'm I'm at least comfortable enough to know how to set a spread and know how to call. And I'm going to go out and do it on my own. It it would give him a lot of leeway, flexibility, and he wouldn't be as worried. I think that I think that would, uh, would be very good for him. I think that would be good for a lot of teenagers that are willing mm-hmm. to go out on their own and at least try it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's be honest. If you're... 16 years old you got to pick up you're spending all this money to go out there and you see a flock of pintails and you don't mm-hmm. know their pintails and you just let it rip because yep. that's what you've seen on youtube mm-hmm. there's a serious amount of problem in there because yep. i think what every bird other is so the second say you rip out two or three so you shoot three pintails on accident i mean that what is it like 700 bucks a bird or something 
It depends <laughs> on the game one you get. You get a state one, you might might get a little bit of little leeway, leeway, but I mean, you're still looking for pintails in particular. Yeah. I bet it's nothing less than a $500 fine. Yeah. Uh, you get a federal game warden. They're going to take you for every dollar you have, pretty <laughs> much. Well, I mean, they're 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 doing their job. They're yeah, enforcing the law. It just so it takes the takes the headache out mm-hmm. for those new hunters. I think that would be a super big benefit. Now, kind of, I think this is a good one that I've thought about, and I was thinking about this today. Is thinking about my grandpa. I mean, he had hunted forever, but if you get a guy that doesn't have very good eyes, mm-hmm. that is kind of losing his eyesight, I think that would be a good one for him. I think that it would help him to not be so worried about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if I was that old and my eyesight was kind of going bad, I feel like I would still kind of see the whip of their wings and like some of that stuff, but I could see how that would be a benefit. If you're older, you know, I could see that it'd be nice to go out and not have to worry about it. And I mean, if you're that old, more than likely you're not out there to kill that many birds anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, you're at the stage where you're just there to, enjoy it so you rip out into a flock and ends up being a group of pintails you thought were mallards that could cause a big problem yeah so i, I it's all hard to get off this topic but i just think that pintails are <laughs> probably the biggest one i uh, mean pintails, I get, there's lesser scob but how often do you actually see those around here i've shot one, yeah, one. like ever um but pintails i didn't see any last year but the other two that come to mind that i saw two years ago when we had a lot of water redheads and canvas backs because their limits only two i mean it it really does only affect those species that have a, a limit less than three yeah um but the big one especially in nebraska on the east side of the state in particular is going to be the pintails those pintails in october and that was something my dad was saying <laughs> today what we were talking about he's worried about pintail numbers dropping because of this whole idea which i don't think will happen how often do you actually get an entire group of pintails to circle down into the decoys well i think to be real and honest i don't you know they've kind of proven this a few times but i don't think uh with with looking at the amount of Nebraska hunters and the after the survey at the end of the year, how many like ducks are killed in Nebraska compared to like say Arkansas or Texas or California, I really don't think a few extra Nebraska hunters shooting three pintails would make that much of a difference. Yeah, I don't think it will. Um, I mean, if you wanted to, I. Even one guy, that's all he did was target pintails. It wouldn't make that much of a difference to a whole species. I think habitat destruction it is a big, much bigger issue than it would ever be on. You if know, you hunters. if you really want to worry about uh, pintails and where they're at, we need to talk to Canada. Yeah, that is just a straight up reality about it. I mean, most pintails nest in Canada, but. And, uh, uh, this uh talking about duck hunter numbers that you brought up kind of earlier and i want to jump back to that is that so as a as a nationwide uh the last figure that i saw was as a nationwide we saw about a 10 10 to 14 percent increase on hunters last year just because of corona Mm -hmm. which is amazing don't get me wrong super happy to hear about that uh i think that is a, a great thing um, but the hard part is the latest factor in Nebraska is uh, around the nation, duck hunters have decreased by about 44% since 1990. On average, Nebraska has lost 440 or 464 duck hunters a year since 1990. So there's 30 years, 30 times. Let's go back. I'm going to do the math on this because this is a big deal, and I think. So 30 years times 464. So that's 13,920. So after spending $10 on the habitat stamp and what is it? 50 on the, the hunting stamp. Habitat stamp is 25 and then the waterfowl stamps 10. Okay. 25. 
35. So 35. And then you have your federal stamp. Let's just make it around 100 bucks. So yeah. per hunter, you're probably thinking 100 bucks for. Yeah, to get into waterfowl, I mean, you got your small game habitat. It's I think if I think it's like 86 bucks. Yeah. To, so we're just gonna make a round number, so it might be off a little bit, and that's yeah, oh well. So one million three hundred ninety-two thousand dollars in the 30 years that has been lost. So that would directly affect habitat management here in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. That's that's what this biggest the biggest problem here is losing hunter numbers and because you're losing hunter numbers you're losing license holders when you lose license holders you lose money for conservation that directly affects ducks that affects the quality of hunting in Nebraska and that's not good and it's just a circling problem and I think that's what they're trying to that's what they're trying to help I think that from my understanding, the survey probably went out and they asked a lot of people. And, at least, you know, I've I've heard a lot of flack about this, but I, at least they're trying. You know, at least they're doing something to yeah. try to get new hunters in. I think I mean, it, it is a deterrent knowing that you could go out and shoot an extra pintail and there's 500 bucks out of your mm-hmm. pocket, especially for a young guy. Yeah, well, I know when the survey came out, I, I had answered every single question. And when they were asking for comments on it, I literally went... There's so many new hunters that I think this is at least for those people that can't identify birds. Yeah. It's a positive. Yeah. I mean, is every person going to do it? No, because there's going to be plenty of people that are going to say, Ooh, I can shoot six birds instead of three. Yeah. Which I can understand why they're doing it the way they are. But when I first read about it and to, uh, answered the survey i thought it was going to be an either or kind of situation yep. which would be hard to manage so i'm glad they're doing it the way they are even though it would be a commitment yeah so let's jump over from pros pros i think we can agree on that it in some ways can help new hunters um what's the cons cons we talked about the pintail deal but overall my my biggest con about this is that I just have a hard time seeing it working because I think a lot of new hunters are more or less going to do the six bird limit because if I was a new hunter and I'd just have to kill because... Most new hunters are trigger happy. That's yeah. usually the stage you're in when you first start. Yeah. Um, my, I, my biggest con is that I I don't know that the game wardens will be able to properly make the switch to understand that and yep. to remember to check. I'll be interested to know how they are able to tell whether it's just a different tag in general or what. I mean, I know it's, you're buying all the same stuff, but will it be printed out different? Or I just worry about that. Yeah, um, because. I, especially in the rain basin, which is where I really think that this is going to take place a lot in the state of Nebraska. Um, I've watched a game warden running around with like a chicken with his head cut off because he's trying to catch up with all of these hunters. I mean, some marshes you might have eight groups in yep. and trying to check everything perfectly right. So that's the other con is, so say, just put this in a speculation scenario. You're a three-bird guy. I'm a six-bird guy. You shoot four birds, what are you going to do? You're going to hand me that four one. Yep. And how is that guy... So say I, I shoot two pintails, and you have a three-bird limit. Why don't we just trade birds? Yep. No, I have thought and, about that one, too. <laughs> so you just, you know, it, I, they're going to be a huge stickler on keeping your birds separate yep. now, which is a good thing. You You should do it. Everybody should have their own separate birds, but... Let's be honest. We've all been there. If you're if you've hunted for a while, you get a good rain out. You throw them all on a boat by your, together. Yeah. I mean, there, uh, especially in the waterfowl word world, party hunting just seems to be a thing. Yeah. Which, if you don't know what party hunting is, it's just where this is the amount of birds we can shoot today. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not going to say I haven't, nor if I have done that. Yeah. (laughs) But that is certainly one of my fears with this whole situation. Because, I mean, even past that, if you have like four or five guys and 
two or three of them are three and you have just a massive flock of pintails come in, I mean, what's one of the birds everybody wants to shoot? Doesn't matter what state you're in. Yep. Um, whether you're in the Midwest, the East Coast, West Coast, everybody's like, ooh, pintails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I look up in the sky and I see that white belly and that chocolate head of a drake pintail, I'm like, oh my goodness, they're pintails, pintails, pintails. Like, yeah, right. And I will work those birds for 20 minutes until they just either decide they don't want to do it or they want to come right in. <laughs> yeah, which it doesn't happen very often. No. So that that's the other part of it is, is when they finally do come in, everybody's so trigger happy to get into mm-hmm. them that next thing you know you get a couple next to each other and you just knock a couple out on accident. Mm-hmm. So... Well, and that whole aspect of them not always coming in, I believe you could go into another con, which is that this won't work. I think it'll die out, unfortunately, because everybody worries about their pintail limits. But, I w- again, when I was talking to my dad about this earlier, a couple years ago when it was two, two pintails, I only had one time that season where I shot two pintails. Yeah. And last season, I only had... One day of the whole year where I wish I could have shot more than one because it, it would have been doable. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot of people that will try it one year ago. I was only allowed to shoot three birds the entire season. Screw this. I'm not yeah. doing that again. No, I I agree. I think the other con of this is, and I think we talked about it beforehand, but like, Unfortunately, because the way the regulations are set up, you can't shoot a wood duck during teal season because it would it, it counts as a big duck. So that would basically take away days at the end of the year. So we don't want to have wood ducks with teal season, but if this would account for both teal season and big duck season, then you could shoot the wood duck in the teal season. I think that'd be super helpful. I know that's not an op- option or opportunity, but we've all... We've all been in a marsh where we've seen wood ducks disappear. Oh. Not, yeah. by, not by our hands. <laughs> yeah. No. But those things are, eh, man, it, you have to, especially like early morning, open day teal, man. Oh, there was a kid last year in the marsh I was in. He got a ticket. He smacked a, came in with two other teal. Yeah. Came in with a group of teal, and he smacked the one wood duck out of the group. And, uh. You got a ticket for that one. Yep. And that's the hard part, you know. You didn't need, it's an honest mistake, but Mm -hmm. very, very costly honest mistake. I kind of wish that they had done it more for, and like, because I think the main focus is the new hunters. Yeah. I wish they had made it like, okay, if you want to get really into duck hunting, make it like a first year requirement, like the first year you're buying permits and you've never, which would be hard with the non-resident aspect, but it, for residents in particular, if it's your first time ever duck hunting and this first time you've ever been recorded having tags, almost making it a requirement. I think that would be a great idea. Because those are the people that need the help. And yeah, yeah they want to go out and shoot ducks, but it's a, it's a, not a safety thing, but it's a learning thing. Yeah. Um, and then going forward with those people, you can make it an optional thing, which I would guarantee almost 100% of the time, unless you have a really uh, conscious duck hunter, 100% of the time they're going to go to the six, uh, six bird limit. Yeah. Unless they just really are not confident in themselves and being able to pick out birds. Yeah. Well, I... It's hard to determine who the person is, but I think that I I think it'd be a really good thing for the first year. I think that's a I think that would be a great idea. I that would be super helpful for a first year hunter and it forces them to put themselves in a much more safe scenario cuz just think if you're 16, 18 years old, go out accidentally shoot an extra redhead and 500 bucks mm-hmm. including all the money you've already spent into duck hunting, I think that would that would push people out of the sport and yep. just make them mad. It's well, like, why am I even going to do this if it's going to cost this much? And then I make an honest mistake, and next thing you know, I get I mean, tapped I had, on. I had a couple of buddies in high school that they didn't do 
they didn't shoot illegal birds, but during teal season, they caught with birds that weren't properly clean. They had no wings, no identification on them. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it cost everybody in that group because they had two days worth of limits, almost a thousand bucks a piece. Um, and they were cut a, they were cut a pretty good deal. And one of the guys, to my knowledge, never went again. And my other buddy, he was, I mean, if you asked him about it today, he'd still be bitter. Yeah. I almost guarantee it. That, yeah. I could see that'd be a rough deal. Getting getting a ticket, like, I mean, I've never had a ticket before, so I, I can't say anything to that. But it for a new hunter trying to learn something and then being punished while you're learning that's that's a that's a painful pill to swallow yeah no i i agree i think man a thousand bucks being 20 years Mm -hmm. old and not having money oh my gosh let's see so i put up on our instagram uh what everybody thought or what's your thoughts Old Matt from High Prairie Sportsman, he's like, can't wait to bag those three pintails a day. He said, honestly, it's, in my opinion, it's not a big deal, which I can understand why he thinks that. Maybe it should be three uh, three gadwall for you, Matt. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, Matt uh, from the other guys' outfitters, if you guys are looking for a uh, guided hunt this year, check, uh, shoot a DM to Matt. He'll get you all set up for next year. He said, pintails for days. And then SS68601, uh, old system for me all the way, but it's a cool option for some folks maybe. So I think everybody's in agreement where it's like, yeah, I can see how it's a good idea, but I just don't think it's going to play out. I didn't even think about that, but talking about the other guys, imagine dealing with that as a guide. Yeah. Holy I, cow. You just opened up a whole new that bucket is, of worms. I didn't even think about that. You got to go down the line. Like, are you? Yeah. You, What's you? your limit? What's your limit? And then, like, that's on you yep. to make sure that they stay where they're supposed to be. And, wow. <laughs> I mean, there's not that many. I don't, I don't know that many early duck season guides around here at all. No. I can honestly say I don't uh, really know of anybody. I mean, even the other guys, they don't start till like, the first week in November. I think Matt's going to be – I think Matt's going to run a couple weeks into teal season, but I don't think he's doing early duck because he's going to take off or, or out west. But other than that, I don't know anybody. I Like you said, I think this is really – it's guided towards the river, uh, rainwater basement. I think that's the big one. Not under the Missouri River, I guess. But yeah. that would be really tricky. So – Put this in perspective. You're a hunt in the Missouri. You're three duck limit on Nebraska side, but what's the limit on the Iowa side? Where I mean, how are you going to play that? Because depending oh, on wow. de- depending on where you're at in the on the river determines on you might be on the line. Yeah, if you're on the line, three pintails in Nebraska. Hey, I'm hunting Nebraska. I got the three bird license, but next thing you know, I'm in Iowa. Boom, boom. There comes a federal. Game warden. <laughs> you, yeah, you got to be careful. You wouldn't ever be able to prove it enough unless you had, like, quality video evidence that you were on the Nebraska side and yeah. then flipped to the Iowa side. I don't think they're going to give you any but leeway. But even, even then, I don't think they would give you enough leeway. It would go to court if you, ha- if you had that evidence. It would, yeah. it, they'd still give you the ticket, and you would have to decide to fight it if you really wanted to. That you're paying 250 bucks an hour for a lawyer at least. Well, and I mean, not even just having more than what would be your pintail limit in Iowa. If you shoot your limit in Iowa, you got nine ducks. And like, you're gonna. Yeah. Wow. Brain buster. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, if... That's, you know, being on the borders. I... Yeah. I've always wondered about the border areas. Part of the reason I just don't ever. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I've never really hunted on, say, two states at one day. So can you technically hunt Nebraska? And if you had the three bird limit, you could kill three birds and then circle back and hunt across the border in Kansas and shoot another six. Is that how that works? 
I believe if you have your birds properly marked, maybe. But honestly, I couldn't answer it. Gotcha. My recommendation to anyone would be just to not. I mean, it's... That's a heck of a day if you went out and shot one side oh, and the other. Man, but you'd be exhausted. But, yeah, it would be one heck of a day. You'd have to have a really good morning hunt and then a really good evening hunt, which... Tell me a time of year where you're going to get both of those, and uh, maybe you can convince me that you could do it. Yeah. But uh, there's been a couple days of, like, it'd be hard to travel in between. So say if you were on the river, rainwater base and then jumped to Kansas, I, I think you you would, if there's any place to do it, it'd either be the Missouri or it'd be there. But it'd be really hard. But I think... That's a that's a big gray area there, jumping, especially in Missouri. I think that'd be dangerous. I wouldn't do it. I'd be too nervous. I just think anywhere that there is a gray area rule, you should just ignore it and not, like, not in the sense of go for it, ignore yeah. it. You should just not do it. I mean, for instance, like the gray area rules with water in Nebraska. Yeah. Where the state owns the water, but not the land under the water. I mean. Yeah, I heard there's guys a couple of years ago when it flooded out. They would go on the Missouri, and then they would get onto people's fields, but they wouldn't set an anchor down. Yeah. Which I heard there's a lot of angry farmers about that, which, you know, if you're, you know, got some guy going down the road that doesn't have permission and they're shooting in the morning, I could see how they'd be really frustrated. Well, and it's frustrating because I can almost – guarantee all that was done is the game warden probably came by and said hey it's easier if you leave because he probably didn't have enough unless he knew that they were anchored up to say all right i gotta give you trespassing fees you know you're you're getting everything here but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there is a gray area there that i understand that so say if you're shooting technically your bbs are trespassing well, and that's the same thing with, like, I had another buddy who dealt with an odd public-private situation with fishing. Um, while ice fishing, ice is technically water, but as soon as you put your line through the hole yep. and your weight hits the bottom, you're trespassing, hmm. which uh, it, just don't mess with your rules is all I can say. Just, I think we can both say that if you're in the gray area, you're going to get burned. <laughs> Majority of the time, you're going to end up in the wrong spot, and they're going to get you. I just, I hate to say yeah, that. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even try it. Hopping, hopping states like that. I mean, the only thing I could say is if you had your birds really well marked, like you wrapped a nice little bow tie around them and had a piece of paper that said Nebraska. Well, the first thing they're going to ask is. How do did, I know? Did you just change the tags on it? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, you know, shot four pin. T- there's four pintails here, and they're, yeah, three are marked Nebraska, one's Iowa, but how am I supposed to know? Yeah. So that would be. Not worth it. Not. No, I wouldn't think so, but, hey, everybody, to each their own. Yeah. So if anybody's got an opinion on that, shoot us a message because I'm honestly curious what everybody's thoughts are on that because that's a big question. Yeah. I ain't playing with it because I don't like – I don't personally – I don't like – I like um, hunting rivers when they're shallow, kind of like the Platte and stuff, but – Missouri is not know. something that I want to mess with. You know, if I if I knew somebody and somebody's on the podcast listening that hunts the Missouri – I would maybe go once or twice, like early season. So if I got dunked, I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Just go about my business. But it's cold. Uh, it's cold at all. I'm out because I have no desire. Yeah. So I'd at least try it just for fun. But I just, yeah, I don't have a lot of interest. But to kind of finish up, let's see opinions. Do you think this will be successful on what they're going for and what they're shooting for? Oh, man. Truthfully, no. I think it'll last. I I don't even know that they'll let it fizzle out. I think they'll just pull it at some point. It does say on the chart or whatever, it says that it's a five-year pilot. Is it five? I thought it was three, but... 
Um, I knew it was a pilot. I knew they were just going to try it and see what happened. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other states that are looking at it. Yeah. Um, I would guess that Kansas, after about year three, will be like, hey, they'll they'll make their decision. Was this a good idea or a bad idea? Because Kansas is another one of those states that, especially northern Kansas, I'm sure they have a lot of issues with new hunters that we do. Yeah. Um, I think, again, it'll benefit new hunters, but I think one thing I can say is it might help people learn their birds faster because they'll want to go to that six bird limit. Yeah. But uh, as much as I want it to work, I don't think it will. I really don't. Uh, I think... I think it depends on the people, and in my opinion, I think they should incentivize it. The way that I think that they should incentivize it is one, you get, when you buy your licenses, I think you should get a discount. So say if you get a 25% discount on your hunting license, your waterfowl stamp, and your habitat stamp, that way it incentivizes you for to do it. Yeah, I think that that would be good. I just don't see a lot of incentive on this because as a new hunter, you want to kill more. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just trigger happy majority of the time. I'm not saying for everybody, but majority of the time you're just trigger happy. And so, I think the two people that we're going to see the most do it is people that have good mentors. For guys that I know that are getting started, I will encourage them to do this because mm-hmm. I think it's good for them, just because it keeps them safer in that scenario. Because I mean. Yeah, I call out shots, but like you said, there's birds that are mixed in mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, two, and I think kids. So if you got a dad that I think talks you, to kids. I think youth, like, again, going back to that whole requirement with new hunters, I almost yep. think this should be a youth thing for sure. Yeah. Like, and maybe they'll move to that point at some point. Because, I mean, and let's see, in Nebraska, you can start hunting at 11, I think. I think so. I think it's 11. And, yeah, that's five years until you're legally, as a hunter, an adult, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, But that's five years where you're only shooting three birds, and that's some good incentive to learn your birds. Um, So I also agree with the incentive idea. I, I think especially if your bag limit is cut in half, I mean... You're not taking as much. Yeah. So I, I think it should be a discounted kind of situation. I think the the heart of this is is to get people, give them safety, give them peace of mind, uh, get new hunters in and give them peace of mind. I think the another part of this is it sets a tone for a, real, a realistic view on what a successful hunt looks like mm-hmm. as well. And I'm going to say this opinion, and I might make some people mad, and that's fine. I, th- In my opinion, I think I think the Central Flyway should go to four birds. I think that it's getting the point. Really? I've heard this on, I think that several people have talked about this, but there's been so much pressure, and we've talked about that too. Um, there's been so much pressure on these birds that I think cutting back on the amount of pressure by birds would be super helpful. You know, because everyone wants to see this big pile of but pile of ducks, but yet, you know, you know I, I I had never really ever thought about something like that. I would say that I don't um, I don't agree for the overall limit, but I actually do think that mallards in particular uh, should be going to either four or potentially even three at times yeah um because that's what everybody wants to shoot especially in the central flyway yeah people come to shoot in the central flyway my thought process and with this is and if people are going to ask why why would i think that for a four bag limit would be better i you know last year we had good habitat i think we had good numbers i think they were over pressured so we got skipped here in nebraska because of the lack of water in nebraska Mm mm-hmm now, I know guys that are in Kansas that did pretty well, but I don't know if, I don't, from my understanding, people in Oklahoma didn't do well. I don't know that anybody in Texas did that well. I think the ducks are way overpressured. Um, 
And this year with the drought that's going on in South Dakota and North Dakota, I really don't think the hatch is going to be very good. And what you're seeing is habitat destruction in Canada and the prairie pothole. You're going to see a bad hatch. I think it's time to take a step because we don't want to become the the Atlantic flyway because they yeah. kept decreasing the numbers over time period, but they haven't been able to get ahead of the issue enough to now, I mean, they get to shoot like what one mallard, I think. So if we can get ahead of the issue and keep the populations up, I think that that would be a good thing. Now people may disagree with me, but eh. I would rather shoot four ducks and be happy. Yeah. And then knowing well, that I'm going to continue to have more quality hunts rather than, you know, wanting to shoot this big limit pile. You know, hearing from that aspect, um, I I can, I, you know, I'm not totally there with you, yeah. but I can, I can agree actually. I mean, I don't, I don't want to give up two ducks. Yeah. But I mean, and I think we should maybe, you know, go to four mallards and five total. I yeah. mean, and the other thing is, is that I would say, and I would speak on this one and it probably could be another podcast because um, it's a good conversation. I think Canada needs to change a lot about what they do. Eight yeah. birds is ridiculous to me. Four pintails is ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I get it that everything is brown up there when they're hunting yeah. in particular, but that's, that's too many birds to me. Yeah. And I would say if, if the central flyway in particular was to cut back, I think Canada needs to cut back too. Yeah. And even the few birds that do make it to Mexico, I think Mexico's limit is 10. It's, yeah, some ridiculous limit. <laughs> Which I know, you know, you get the different country aspect of it, but, I mean, we have uh, Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl programs in both of these countries and they yeah. work together with the United States. Um, you know, Canada is struggling with the whole agricultural effect on waterfowl. Why aren't, why aren't they at least cutting back on their birds if they can't get that under control? I don't get that. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to make an argument for us to keep our birds. I actually hearing it from that aspect. I can agree with it. Because you're right, we should be trying to fight to not be what the Atlantic Flyway is right now. Because yep. um, they have no answer. They can't even. They can't even get it under control. Well, it's their their habitat destruction is happening at a much higher rate mm -hmm. than ours. But you're going to continue to. It, it's hard because you're thinking. It's it's like inflation. It's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Whether you're willing to sit here, obviously you're gonna try to fight it as much you can, but it is gonna happen. And if it's it's willing, if you're willing to get out ahead of it or not, mm -hmm. and the habitat destruction and it continues to happen and farming practicing changing and not only I've you know North Dakota, South Dakota, and Canada, and so farming practices and it's just gonna continue to be what it is, and that's why pintails have. They went to one. I mm -hmm. think that if they did a survey this year, I think next year would have been two because I think there is a lot of pintails. I actually think that we never needed to go back to one yeah. um, because I see more pintails every year, it seems like, yeah, especially in Nebraska in October. But I will say the bird that I have I'm curious about that I haven't seen, and it's maybe it's just a off and on kind of year, but I didn't, I don't, I can't remember seeing a widgeon last year other than that, that one we sh I shot that day. And I usually see a bunch. I saw, I shot three or four myself, drakes, but I didn't see a whole lot of them. And actually, that's a whole other conversation. And I get that they're um, considered trash, trash ducks, but why do we have a six-bird limit on... Uh, Widgeon and Gadwall. I don't, I don't know. That, that one I don't understand because I will agree. When I first started hunting, Widgeon is like always shot the first two years I started hunting. Yep. And Gadwall too. Um, but now I shot a lot of Gadwall last year. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> but um, you're right. La the year before, 
the year before this, last season, I didn't shoot a single widgeon, and I saw two flocks of widgeon and a couple singles that I didn't shoot. Yeah. But I hardly ever saw them. And last year, I saw a lot opening weekend. There was a lot of widgeon opening weekend. But oops. Um, I think the... They haven't done surveys for last year and this year. I think duck numbers are off. I really do. I I think the duck numbers are, you know, they said they had a good hatch last year, but how's the overpop, overall population doing? And it's hard to, hard. I think there's two different things. I think pressure's a problem that keeps them more dormant mm-hmm. and like nocturnal, I guess I'd say. But I do think the duck numbers are off. I would agree with that. And I think there's a lot of people who have kind of said that. I think they're off. Um, it, it is hard to say whether they're on or off since I 100% agree that we were a skip state this year. Yeah. Um, I know that in October and November, Kansas was loaded yep. um, with mallards even. I mean, they, they jumped us fast. But I think it has a lot to do with water because I say, I say that and I go back to the season before, yep. and there wasn't an inch of water it felt like that didn't have ducks on it. Yep. Um No, I I understand. I I'm with you and that's I think it depends on year for us. I mean the year before that was one of probably the warmest and wettest years we had had in a long time. And so we had I, everybody I knew had a really good year. Yeah. That was my best year ever. And Kind of circling back to the quality of hunt, kind of talking about ducks and all that stuff. My overall opinion about this, and it's hard because it's a double-edged sword, is you want new hunters in Nebraska. I <laughs> I hate to say this, but Game Park, Nebraska Game Park's going to have to step up on, and I think this is a problem that the Nebraska hunters need to help them out on because like we said, there's like $1.3 million are missing out on right now because of the, the loss of hunters. But, uh, I mean, I think quality, quality of, uh, habitat is a big difference because if you're, you know, talking about these States, we're talking around South Dakota has a great amount of natural habitat. Kansas has a lot of great nat- natural habitat, but they have a lot of great managed they habitat, manage like crazy in that um, state. You've got Missouri's got an amazing uh, level of habitat management. I don't think I, I've, from my understanding, there are some in Iowa, but I think they're just a huge flyway for both sides of the flyway, so they just do really well. I've always heard that Iowa is kind of like that state that's like the, the flyways like avoid it essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, everyone I've ever. I've always known. watched or talked to about Iowa says it's kind of poor. Huh. I I don't really have much of an idea of it. I know the eastern side of the, like, on the Missouri yeah, does on decent. The Missouri, you can do and well, on the Mississippi but. is decent. But, yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know that much about it, so I can't comment that much. Uh, North Dakota has a lot of natural habitat. I think Minnesota has a lot of great natural habitat. So you got a lot of states around here that have, I mean – good basis of hunting mm-hmm. and i think i think nebraska it's a money deal that's what it boils down to and they do i think do i think they do a decent job for the amount of money they have but i think they need to come up with ways to for expenditures now like missouri they have a was a one half of one percent of sales tax ends up going to the state conservation and that's where they get their money from well yeah this is how dumb nebraska is uh the state wants to tax the game in parks yeah. which i think is ridiculous instead of trying to help fund the yep. game in parks and i actually uh i think especially when it comes to waterfowl and wetlands i think the state does a poor job like here's and i a, i know it has idea. to do money but here's an idea for you not saying this would ever happen but this would be great um talk about the platte river you up the, you would have to, I don't know, probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> up the property tax oh. by 0.25% or allow, so this would be negotiating tactic saying either you allow public hunting 
from bank to bank, so public hunting access, or if you guys don't want to do this, which you vote on, that's fine, but 0.25 property tax for the game parks. Game changer. That would fund a lot of money into the game parks. Yeah, it would. Wow. Um, I know. I'm sorry, everybody there that's probably angry at me right and now. There are people that are cringing <laughs> at that thought, but that's a really good idea. Actually, I'll be interested. I, know, I didn't read into it a whole lot, but I'll be interested to know if there's any form of kickbacks with the gambling yeah. coming into the state. It's probably end up going to the city instead of the state. I know it's also supposed to help lower property taxes across the state. Well, it, it kicks into property taxes, but a lot of the property tax ends up kicking into schools. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Lincoln just built two more schools. Yeah, we spent a lot of money on those schools, too. I think one's called Standing Bear. One, I think one's like Northwest, and then one Standing Bear. But then you then you roll over, and then SEC is always building something new, too. Southeast Community College, so I have a hard time believing that property taxes are going to go down because of the gambling thing. Yeah. It just ends up they using it for something more. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they manage to somehow, you know, they said the wheel tax is going to help fix number, or Lincoln Roads. Well, we all saw how that works. <laughs> they, I, I'm sorry, it's off topic, but <laughs> I, I just don't understand why we cut out chunks of road put more crap in there and expect it to be fixed. It's a f- band-aid. Yeah. Like there that you put old concrete with new concrete, it just ends up breaking and fractioning it where they cut it at or where they cut it yep. out. And then you just have to come through and resurface the whole thing again next year. What's the point? <laughs> or even better yet, Lincoln, Nebraska Roads Department. I'm sorry if you work for them. But why do you come around in a little trolley that spits out crap into potholes? By the end of the day, all the crap is out either on a vehicle or in the middle of the road. It's never in the pothole the whole day. It just, sorry. I'm not sorry. That It's just ridiculous. But same idea. I think it ends up just not doing anything. I really don't. I think it just. Which is poor. And I 100% agree with what you were saying that I actually, and I had thought about this this year while I was driving around scouting for early teal season i really think that we should as hunter waterfowl hunters in nebraska we should get almost a group that goes around and cleans up some of these marshes i mean even our ducks unlimited chapter i feel like doesn't do as good as they should in this state yeah but um <laughs> no, I was yeah dog had a little too much fun i guess um <laughs> I like. I would love to see if a, a bunch of waterfowl hunters in like June and July would just go around because after all the water that we had, uh, the 2019-2020 season, um, all of these marshes are just chocked full of weeds. Yeah. They are. There's. There's no room. There's yeah. no room to put water in even if they wanted to. And it just doesn't seem like the game in parks and I I get it, money doesn't it doesn't seem like they can keep up with it or try to keep up with it. So put it like it putting it in perspective, I did a, so I was at uh Branson, Missouri with some family and we were sitting at this lodge and at the lodge they had a, a hot tub and then a pool. So we're sitting there and there was a little girl, and my wife has a magnet for any kid at all. Mm-hmm. She will be a great mother. We'll see how me being a dad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> but uh, she came over. We got to talking with a lady, and she works for the she works for Missouri Conservation. Okay. And we started talking, and I said, you know, I'm a waterfowl hunter. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I do a lot of the – the stuff for management and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, cool. So I started asking her questions and talking to her about it. And she's like, yeah, we go to these conventions, basically, with all the states. They kind of do all the recommendations for, you know, anything from bag limits, that kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. habitat management that's um, more or less a conference to get together and talk what they're all doing and how their, you know, numbers are and that stuff. She's like, yeah, 
every time we meet up with a conference like Nebraska, they basically just sit there and say that like they don't have any money for anything and that they're worried about getting fired because they don't have enough money for staff. And like, you know, that's a grain of salt kind of thing. You know, you kind of take that as a grain of salt, but you eh, I mean if you see the way, uh, and not to be mean, but some of the stuff is managed in Nebraska. I mean, if there's not enough money to fund something, it you, there's only so much you could do. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's like giving somebody ten bucks and saying build a house. Mm-hmm. You can't really fault that person for not doing a very good job if they don't have the money to do it. Yeah. So that's that's something. And, you know, if somebody's out there in Nebraska, you know, listening, I think that is if you really want to help this state, you really want new hunters and everything, and like I do, I think it's time to start thinking about what we can do financially. Mm-hmm. Now, there financially, are, volunteer programs. Now, there is a couple ideas I have rolling around my head, but... I can tell you one that's going in my head right now. What's that? Quit trying to make walleye work on the eastern side of this state. <laughs> it will never work. The gaming parks dump so much money into trying to make walleye work on this side of the state. Walleye and trout. Yeah, trout not as much on this side it's of the usually, state. Usually interstate lakes. But I just, oh, I mean, they. I know. I, we don't have uh, deep enough lakes. It just doesn't make sense. Well, it's too muddy. uh, By the time they dump them, they either die or they get eaten by something else or they get fished so hard they're done. Yeah, I mean, there are some, if you fish really hard, and there are some lakes that do well, but give up on it. They've been trying to get this to go for like 20 years to have regularly, and I know that there's going to be people that are screaming at me right now if you're a fisherman in in the state of Nebraska, but... On the east side of the state, it is not going to work. <laughs> not the way they want it to. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, I, I agree. Uh, I've got a, you know, I, I've got a couple ideas in my head. You know what? Why not? Let's roll with it. So here was my thought. Bigger than hunters, we'd go out there, we'd find a shooting, a sporting shooting place, right? Mm-hmm. I would have someone to come out with the grill, make food. We'd have everybody shoot, you know, a couple rounds on a sporting clays or trap or something mm-hmm. for dinner, all that. You know, get a few companies together and give some giveaways and do all that stuff and charge, uh, you know, 100, 150 bucks per person and then kids for free. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, all the money that ends up coming out of the profit on that, just kicking it back to the state and say, hey, this is for waterfowl management. Mm-hmm. Use it, you know, use it how you see fit. I think that would be a good thing. It's going to take a lot of time and a yeah. lot of people, but I've certainly thought about doing that. But yeah, yeah. I think you, I think we talked about that when we were hunting last season. Yeah. That idea. And I've been kicking around a lot. I think Corona kind of put a stop to that idea, especially, but I've got so much, <laughs> I've got so much stuff going on in my life. I know that's a bad excuse, but yeah. No, I think. I think that's a, you know, we raise money for Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited, which is awesome, you know, not taking away from that. But if you're putting it, say, into a context of, like, cow waterfowl, you know, what can we do as Nebraska waterfowlers to help our state? Well, you know, instead of complaining about it, what are we doing to making our grass greener here? Mm -hmm. I think... Because of the, especially in Nebraska, because of the money situation, it, it's going to come down to volunteering. Yeah. Um, which I know takes a lot of time, but man, if you just took, like, if you made a schedule, got a bunch of people signed up, um, and you, especially in the rain basin in particular, which is the area I think about this, there's so many small marshes. Yeah. If you just for even one day a weekend between the months of June and August went around and just cleaned up a marsh one one marsh a weekend yeah i mean you're going to make a lot of huntable areas whether they pump it or not is the big question but i think it it'd be hard cuz it it would probably depend on water rights and that kind of 
is dependent on each year and how much water we get because the state, I mean, farmers tend to start complaining when the state's pumping water out on public areas when they can't even get it for their farm, which if I was a farmer, I'd get it. So, but, well, any final thoughts before we jump off? Uh, Final thoughts is we have about four different other podcasts we can talk (laughs) about right now, but. Uh, Well. I think that's the truth, but all right, guys, I appreciate you guys watching it or listening to this. Um, you know, if there's a way to give back, you know, Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited, awesome. I think if uh, you're like us, I think the next next day or two, you're going to start thinking about what you can do to help out Nebraska. You know, we did say some criticism about Nebraska, but I think Nebraska is an awesome waterfowl state. I think that um, I, you know, I think this three bird limit is a good thing. I don't know how well it's going to take off, but you know, I hope it does the best and I hope it does achieve. I hope there's new hunters. That's what bigger hunter stands for. And that's what we want. So hopefully, hopefully that's what happens. So like I said, again, we appreciate you so much for listening to this podcast and have a good night.